Welcome to the Gods of Tomorrow podcast, where we discuss religious deconstruction, secular humanism, political activism, and epistemology. Together, we explore how to solve human problems with human solutions. We deconstruct, we activate, and then most importantly, we live our fucking lives. I am your host, Josh Ra, and you are the gods of tomorrow. Alright, alright, alright. Let's uh let's do this shit. Alright, welcome back everybody. It is Gods of Tomorrow. I am Josh Draw. You can call me Josh. And this is episode 23. A couple of interesting things have come out in the news. This is kind of an epic day. Not only is it the 23rd episode, and 23 is my favorite number, as many of you guys know, but we saw that Pat Robertson died today, uh, founder of the Christian Broadcast Network. Uh, so he has passed. Um, that's an interesting movement, just considering his impact that he's had on Christianity moving into the GOP from his conservative stance. We know that he was a, a presidential nominee at one point as well. They put his bid in for that. Um, and then also we see news coming out that um, Trump, Donald Trump, may be indicted today. Uh, so following that news fairly closely at the time of this recording, we know that a prosecutor just went into the courtroom about two hours ago. So I, I've been kind of watching to see what's going to happen with that. Uh, the expectation is that he will be indicted and how that impacts his presidential bid for the next upcoming uh, election is going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I imagine that he may end up losing that, and Mike Pence is going to step in as the individual that's going to be the primary in the GOP, which for me is no more exciting that I have to pick between Pence and Biden, but that's a whole other topic for another time. I, I just keep thinking, oh my God, you're going to make me vote for Biden again. But today we have another guest uh, here on Gods of Tomorrow. Uh, her name is Jordan Dwayne. You may recognize her as Jordan the Grey Witch on TikTok. Jordan, my friend, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Super excited for this. Yeah, me and what too. a day! What a day to do it on. What there's, <laughs> what a day. I, do you have any insight in this? I know you watch politics a little bit, and you see like you know things that are being issued to the state and the House representatives and and things along those lines, just like keeping track of secular pieces. But are you keeping track of like these stories specifically? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been following, especially a lot of my uh, lawyer friends on TikTok. You know, they've been covering this story very thoroughly as it's been unfolding. And man, Jack Smith, I think he's he's going for the jugular for this one. He has been meticulously planning this case. So that is airtight. I'm talking like a ship mm -hmm. on water airtight. And I really don't think he's going to go for it unless he has it in the bag. And we're talking, you know, treason we're talking yeah. espionage and treason which i think it's a minimum of 20 years yeah that's what i so, saw too it was about 20 years that he would be which you know completely takes him out of the running for presidency um but the other thing that i had seen with it is that uh, although we're expecting that to come out today it could still be a few more days as they're pulling information together but only to more solidify their case and pull out more information it's not like right at this point they could probably indict and convict and move forward and be done with it but they're going even further they're getting even <laughs> more evidence 
I, you yeah. know what? Honestly, like, I, I don't know. And I said in previous videos, I was like, I really don't think that, that Donald Trump will ever see the inside of a jail cell. And I was very adamant about that. Mm -hmm. There's no way. And that was prior to the information about the classified documents coming out. Mm -hmm. So in the fact that he knew that they were classified yeah. and it's on record that he knew, which, again, is treason mm -hmm. it's treason this is a bigger charge this is crazy so now you know i can't say that he won't end up in jail i hope he does personally i, I hope he does i do too I, I think that it's been deserving for some time and i'm particularly interested in seeing what the response is from the country if that does occur we know that we're a very divided country at this point we have been since the 2016 election um and just seeing how people are going to respond to this. It's 2016. Am I using my math right? Yes. Yeah, but it, it's just going to be interesting how individuals respond. Now, as I said before, I'm not really excited about Pence coming in. Uh, he's made some pretty inflammatory remarks towards Trump um, in his presidential. I'm sorry, bid. you said you said oh. Pence. Do you mean do you mean the Lord of the Flies? Do I mean? I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> but he is. Such, yeah, my friend. Yeah, his his uh, his, uh, his his extremism is a little concerning to me. Um, and, and I think that he actually has a pretty good chance of winning if he gets pushed in for the bid, uh, just because his heavy hitting uh, comments about the Constitution and upholding that. And I think that's really going to speak to his base. I, I agree. And but here's the thing, you know, if it comes between Trump or Pence, it's Pence all day. Oh, all I day. would pick all day. Um, but it is concerning with him, and especially since your background is in psychological behavior, his mother situation is very concerning to me. It's giving strong Hitchcock vibes. Mm -hmm. You know the movie. You know the one. Yeah. That's what he gives to me. You know, yeah. like that's the that's the vibe. Like he he calls his his mom mother, you know? Mm -hmm. Like he's one of those. And that's like we don't need someone like that at the helm of our country. But you know, if it's between him and Trump, I I, I you know it's going to have to be him. So it's kind of a win-win for us mm -hmm. with Trump being indicted. It's like, well, at least it's not going to be Trump, right? Yeah. <laughs> but man, uh, my vote's going to be, you know, for, for Biden again. It's going to have to be because we're really stuck between a rock and a hard place with this election. It's either the shit sandwich or the giant douche, you know, like South Park. It's so hard to choose, but is... in between any Republican or, or Biden, it's going to be Biden. And it's getting old, to be honest. I mean, I think you and I are about the same age. Our entire adult lives in terms of every presidential election and even local elections have been like this, where our hand is being forced to vote for people that don't necessarily carry our values in the full of it. And it's been a real challenge, I think, especially for, I mean, for me, for my adult life and having to always be like, well, I would like to vote for an independent or a Green Party or someone else down the line, but I'm always stuck voting for one individual to prevent the other person from getting into that place of office. It's like, can we just have a mulligan? Is there ever a chance that we can just have on our ballot sheet say, fuck them both. Please. <laughs> like, give me new candidates. <laughs> I'm sick of voting against someone. I want to vote for someone. And I don't mm -hmm. think I voted for someone since Obama. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Yeah, I very much voted for Obama in his second election. In his first election, I was a hardcore conservative Christian, and I thought that we were all going to hell. And that is a mistake on my part due to indoctrination. But by the time that four years passed, I had started my deconstruction. And when he ran a second time, I was like, fuck yes. And I was so quick to get to the ballot office and fill that out. But the thing is, you know, I, I know that a lot of you take a lot of heart to it. And you sort of blame yourselves mm -hmm. for having that mindset. And I just want to take the, the moment to say that 
growth is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And not everybody has the strength to do that because growing hurts and it's mm-hmm. not some, something that everyone can go through. So it's admirable that you have, you learn your mistakes and you're moving forward. So I just want to take a moment to say that because I know that a lot of people feel that way about, mm-hmm. you know, having voted for Trump and stuff like that prior to their deconstruction. There's a lot of people who feel that way. And hey, guys, give yourself grace. Forgive your, your past self for not knowing any better. Continue to learn, continue to grow and continue to be better. So that's the best thing that you can do. And again, that's so admirable so yeah, just wanted to that's wonderful i mean it's a beautiful message and i think it's interesting to see how our culture has pushed people especially our political culture has pushed people into the, into the deconstruction movement it has been something that has occurred in the last um i don't even want to 12 years i mean repeatedly where we've seen people being shoved into this deconstruction movement based on what's happening in the political realm yeah. So let's talk about your growth, Jordan. So uh, sure. those that know Jordan, like I said, she is called Jordan the Grey Witch on TikTok. Um, she has amassed a crazy following in just like a year time period. Um, so fame kind of thrust on you into this realm to some extent. <laughs> um, I know I heard one of your interviews recently where you're like, I'm recognized on the street now, which is super crazy. But before... Yeah. Jordan was recognized on the street. Where did you come from? Like, what is your story? How did you get into this deconstruction movement? Wow. So, okay. So I guess we'll start from, you know, when I was a kid, um, I was adopted by my maternal grandparents when I was, I believe about six months old. Uh, My parents were very young when they had me and didn't really have the monetary means to raise me. So uh, my grandparents took me in, but I still saw my birth parents growing up. I still spent, you know, weekends and holidays with them. And growing up, my grandparents, uh, my grandfather was atheist very very smart i'm talking like mensa smart very very intelligent man uh and then my grandmother was just like you know she believed in christianity but she wasn't like full-blown but then on my Mm -hmm. father's side my actual father's side uh my grandmother was a strict uh devout catholic devout catholic family so when i spent time with that family it was the bible we are learning Mm -hmm. the bible we are learning prayers i know all the prayers so i was raised in that regard. And then when I started school, they wanted me to go to a Catholic school like my father had gone to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made it a year before I was kicked out. Uh, well, asked to leave nicely because I asked the nuns way too many questions. And they do not like children asking questions, especially when those children are female. I've, I've, so um, I've heard you mention asking questions. And this is probably a hard question to ask. But I'm always wondering what questions did you ask at five that they didn't like the answers to? Do you remember? I know that's a hard memory to pull. I remember specifically, it was very long ago. Uh, I'm 37 now. So or like over 30 years ago. Uh, but I do remember asking, they would talk about, you know, God in the heavens. And my grandfather was very adamant about explaining to me the scientific method method and physics and astronomy and, and all of the things that we understand to be factual due to the data that we've, that we've, um, uh, you know, obtained. So when they were telling me something that was going against what my grandfather had said, I would Excuse me. Um, yeah. So how is there a man floating on the clouds? Clouds are made of evaporated water. That doesn't make sense. You know, and I was saying this as a child. Yeah. You know, I was asking, well, the atom's the smallest thing. What fits inside an atom? Like I was asking mm-hmm. those things and I'm neurodivergent. So it all makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, but when I was a kid, it was just <laughs> questions, 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 mm-hmm. questions, questions. Um, and in a very strict religious school, the questions are not something that they want you to be asking, especially questions that they do not have the doctrine to answer. Yeah. Um, so I made it one year in Catholic school before I had to move over to public. Um, <laughs> and hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm better for it. But um, uh, let's see. After that, uh, I did go to 
uh, public school. And I sort of had, you know, the belief in God for about the amount of time that I had belief in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. After that fizzled away at like six, seven, eight, the God belief fizzled away with it. Um, And again, you know, my grandfather was always very much asking me, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Do you think that that makes sense? That all of the animals in the whole world fit on one boat and they didn't eat each other? You know, he would put present it in a way that made me critically think. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very grateful to have been brought up in a situation where my critical thinking skills were exercised all the time. Mm -hmm. So going throughout, you know, my life, um, I, you know, and I've and I've read about all the you know different religions and, and mythologies, and I'm super fascinated by those things. But there's no data to suggest that any god is real. Um, they are you know figments of of the imagination of humans. We you know man created God, not the other way around, right? And we did that because you know in humanity's infancy, we didn't understand where the sun went at night. (laughs) We didn't understand what caused an eclipse or a hurricane or any of the things that we now have scientific data Mm -hmm. to understand. So it's, it's understandable that man in our early life tried to invent things uh, in our brains that helped us make sense of natural phenomena. So, you know, when we're looking at things like that, you know, as I've gotten older, it's, it's very easy to see that all of the religions have the same shtick. They're, it's all the same thing mm-hmm. that sort of comes from we didn't have better answers. So I've been a lifelong atheist, you know, and um, I think that that's uh, vastly different that I got sort of thrown into this uh, deconstruction community. But it happened because when I made my TikTok, uh, the first video I ever made went viral. Right. Um, and I, I remember making the video and it's the one where uh, with Eileen Warnos talking about uh, us having less rights um, than a rapist. Literally, like we have less rights that we get we get more time for for unaliving a fetus, which is not the case. An abortion is simply healthcare, care um, than than a rapist would. So I made this video with Eileen Warno saying when the penalty for rape is or, or for abortion is greater than the penalty mm-hmm. for rape. And then I show a picture of Eileen Warno, who famously unalived her rapists. Uh, it went viral. Mm-hmm. So I woke up. I think I had 30,000 <clears> followers after like the first day. And I and I went from like 100. Right. So just people who know me personally were my followers. And then all of a sudden I woke up the next day and was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> um, so then uh, since most of my following was based on, you know, feminism and uh, healthcare rights and things like that, I started really tapping into the evangelicals really didn't like me straight out the gate, like really started coming for me hard. And then I just started pushing back. So I ended up being sort of, uh, you know, I guess uh, one of the members of this deconstruction community uh, inadvertently. I just happened to be because I'm not deconstructing. I've, I was never constructed to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess having a voice that was sort of always um, upheld by reason and logic sort of just threw me into this community with all of you fine people. So that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> well, I appreciate having you as part of the community because I, I the thing that drew me to your content the most was those very just logical, rational arguments of just breaking down information and presenting it in a way that was not only compassionate, but also just full of evidence-based factual information that could be followed up on and looked at. Now, you just shared a lot that I feel like I need to unpack. And, and one of the things that I'm, I think I'm most interested in is your response to theists um, in terms of there are individuals clearly within civilization and cultures all around the world that believe in 
the Christian God or the Hindu God or some variety of deity that they see as being a, having some sort of interaction within their life. Are you opposed to them holding this belief? Are you opposed to um, like this conceptualization of like needing a God to find purpose in meeting or, or projecting certain things on that? Or is it um, more of, I don't mind that you have this God. It's when it starts coming into this other sector of, you know, other people's lives and how it's governing other people's lives that you have an issue. So I am fully, I fully support people to have a religion and to believe in a deity or several deities. My problem lies when that belief in a deity is now affecting my life, mm -hmm. when we are affecting legislation, when it becomes a problem for other people in our country to pursue their happiness and live freely. That's where my problem lies. So when it comes to secularity, we need to be a nation where everyone is free to practice whichever religion they choose, but that freedom of religion must also logically mean freedom from religion. How am I to practice my religion safely or lack thereof if I must practice yours legally? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Excuse me. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, you can curse on this show. That's fine. So uh, <laughs> in regards to like the, the backlash then that you had when you were speaking about political issues and talking about the science behind those political issues, you're talking about the backlash you specifically received from conservative Christians and that why do you think that they came after you foremost? Uh, hit because... dog. Oh, go ahead. Hit dogs holler. Hit dogs holler. They, I, I trigger them because I threaten their belief with my logic. They don't like me. <laughs> they want to convert me so bad. I'm like the unicorn. I have so many conservative men who, in my opinion, get a very unhealthy obsession with me and my mm -hmm. content. And I've had several where it becomes troubling uh, mm -hmm. with how obsessed they become with me. They really want me. And because of the patriarchal foundation of these type of beliefs in their minds, uh, and especially with evangelicals um, mm -hmm. and fundamentalism, yeah. when a man selects a woman, that's it. The woman doesn't get a choice. That's the woman that the man is courting and that's it. And then you marry him and have his kids. And that's how fundamentalism works. So I think a lot of them see me as like this unicorn to capture and then obtain. So I see a lot of them and, and you know, they, they're attracted to my videos because they might see me and they're like, oh, she's an attractive woman or they may think that. Uh, and then they listen to what I say and they go, oh, I don't like her anymore. Oh, now I must obtain her. Yeah. So it's a very strange phenomenon and I get it all the time. Um, and so there's a lot of men who really, really focus heavily on sort of debunking my content, but it's impossible to debunk data and logic with mm -hmm theology so when they come at me with bible verses i'm just like here we fucking go like it's the same mm -hmm. argument over and over and over again i have never once in the entire year that i've been on this platform heard a new argument from these people yeah. they always reference the bible and, and that it's like that's what we're refuting is that that archaic text is what i'm arguing against okay mm -hmm. because there's no data that supports that it's real okay so when you're throwing the same argument at me it's like saying but batman did this in the comic i don't give a shit mm -hmm. there's no data that supports your argument whatsoever so until you do have data that supports that argument we're not going to talk there's nothing there's nothing to discuss it just sounds like a toddler stamping their feet going but my story's real it's real what's real to me and it's like that's fine that it's real to you but to me mm -hmm. i require evidence and data to 
substantiate these claims, which they do not have. And the so exact it's, it's opposite of that, like the data actually tells you that the Bible isn't real. Like if you actually right, follow the data right. trials back, it goes, oh, this actually isn't real evidence. And it's not something that we should be putting all of our eggs in one basket around. I know in our offline conversations, that's been the thing that's been most fascinating to me is the number of men specifically that come after you and try to convert you and try to save yeah. you from your <laughs> sin in whatever capacity that looks like. Because myself and, and other male deconstructionists that I know on TikTok do not experience that. I have never once had a a message that has come to me with people saying, you know, can I convert you? Can I talk to you? Can we talk about God? Can we engage in this? I don't have women do it. I don't have men do it. The only messages I get are people going, your content really spoke to me and I'm deconstructing and can you help me answer this question? And that's what they seek me for. It's never like the other side of that coin. And, and, and I'm curious, because I know you've looked into this, why is that patriarchal piece so strong within the Christian foundation where they see you as a prize to be won instead of a person to be reasoned with? Well, I think that just highlights the rampant misogyny that is intertwined within that ideology. So I am not a person that should be speaking in their mind. I am an object to be obtained and to be coveted and to be bred with. That is all they look at me as. And they, on top of that, I've heard so many times, what a waste, you're such a waste. Because I'm essentially a pretty uh, white woman that should be breeding and being obedient to a man. So they they look at me as, that's so wasteful. And that is so weird to me. Like, I'm not a product. I am not mm -hmm. a brood mare. I am a person. And I think that the, uh, the external, like the visage is what really throws them because they, they assume. I, I heard someone say this comment literally popped up the other day. You're too pretty to be saying this is what they said oh to me. God. Like, like these things are mutually exclusive. Like I can't be smart because you happen to find me attractive. It's the weirdest thing. And I, and I get this all the time from evangelical men. And that just, I think it pisses them off even more, you, you know, because when they, uh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I was just saying, <laughs> when they, when they, they it, when they completely encapsulate all of my value mm -hmm. uh, to just what I look like on the outside, you're, you're missing so much of the value that I hold. And so when you are holding women to just an aesthetic standard, you're missing so much of what makes us who we are. And that's the problem is that these women are beaten into submission, quite literally mm -hmm. and, and metaphorically. But I, you know, and that's the thing is that they don't, they aren't used to a woman speaking, speaking intelligently and speaking against what they have been taught to believe like to their core. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what really triggers them and really sets them off to, to sort of beat me down into the place that they believe I belong. Which for me is just blows my mind because the amount that I have learned from women in my life and their expression of femininity is what makes me the man that I am. And if it wasn't for the, the process of listening to women and being guided by them and being able to see things from their point of view, I would be just a very one dimensional individual and would be able to accomplish very little because of that. Do you ever feel pity for these guys? Do you ever recognize Absolutely. them as being they're indoctrinated, like they can't get out of that space in their brain, like this has been just shoved into them so hard that they can't even understand what I'm saying or see my perspective, and it's impossible Absolutely. for them to see it. Absolutely. Um, I, I would feel more pity for them if they weren't causing so much harm. But I do pity them as individuals, um, especially when individuals are coming at me and they, they become, you know, I've had people that, ha that are so obsessed with me that they make videos. I have one guy that makes videos like dedicated to me, his whole page. Oh 
this whole thing. And it's so creepy. And you're just like, I feel so so bad for him because he doesn't understand the infatuation that is clearly entrenched in this motive to, to continue after one person specifically, like how unhealthy that is psychologically. Um, but I do pity him because I just think like he, he's so obsessed with obtaining me, mm-hmm. with getting through to specifically me that I, I just, it's it's sad, you know, instead of finding a woman out there or whomever he may, you know, um, have a relationship with in a healthy way, in a way that he can really make that connection and sort of open his mind up to a healthy connection like you were like you were saying. Um, instead, he's just online obsessively making content to this person that he's never met in person, which is so, so very strange to me. And I do feel pity for them. Yeah, that, that it's, it's bizarre to me. Like, like as a white, <laughs> cis, you know, heterosexual male, like, it, it's so hard for me to even process that the level of whatever it is it takes you to get to that point to be that type of person just just shape you in that way. I, I do like how you're identifying those that as individuals you pity them, but as a collective it's harmful. And that's something that yeah. I've heard repeatedly from individuals in the deconstruction community that are trying to help individuals think more critically and to use you know rational inquiry and looking at theology, specifically Christian theology, and things that are supporting, you know, Christian fascism here in the United States is, you know, if you come to me as an individual and you want to sit down and have a conversation, it's a very um, compassionate, engaging, understanding one-on-one back and forth. But when you're coming at me as a group and talking about it, I oftentimes respond to you in full because as a collective, you're causing harm to individuals, to, to underprivileged, um, under, you know, represented communities that don't deserve that type of hate coming from you. Exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I, I that's why I continue to make the content that I make, despite that not being my intention. My intention with my platform was always to empower women, to educate, to stimulate critical thought. Um, and to fight for our rights. You know, we we deserve to live in a secular nation where we are not imprisoned by one specific ideology. And that's where we are headed towards a Christo-fascist hellscape. And, you know, and also I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, it is the most dangerous time in our country for these people. Um, we just, you know, they just issued uh, a national warning um, for LGBTQ people in America. Like that, that is heart-wrenching and heartbreaking and and this type of of ideology and behavior specifically affects um people of color specifically trans women of color are the ones that are losing their literal lives to this type of hate hateful rhetoric that that these ideologies breed in mass so it's something that i feel very strongly about speaking against to help this community that I'm a part of, but also, you know, to, to wake people up, to get women to understand that they have value, mm-hmm. that they aren't just wives and, and, and brood mares, that they are people that deserve to have their voices heard. So that's kind of always been the intent of, of, of my videos. And, and I've amassed this, this platform now that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like riding a wave in an ocean every day. Like you don't know what's going to come and, and who's going to come for you or what, you're going to get a new stalker or what's going to happen. Um, but the thing is, is that I get so many messages every single day thanking me and telling me that I've helped people that mm-hmm. I will never stop until those messages <laughs> stop. I'm, I'm not going to stop because it's so wonderful to be uh, sort of in this position where people are looking up to me for guidance and that I'm genuinely helping them with their anxiety, especially when it comes to their hell anxiety that has been so indoctrinated into them. Um, so yeah, helping people and standing up for what I know is right um, is kind of my sole purpose now. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I don't want to get into an entire like strategic plan of how you're going to move with this because I recognize that it has come on very fast. And just like you said, now you have this following, your your voice and your message are being heard. Uh, there's definitely some very specific values and things that you're trying to uplift. But it's like, how do you make the best impact with that? How do you utilize that platform, you know, to bring on the right people to generate the right type of political movement, social movement, cultural movement, to really have these things be more than just, you know, the individuals that you're touching, but make more of those like macro changes. You know, I, man, I would say, I would love to say that I have a plan <laughs> to navigate this, but I've, I've essentially been thrust onto a sailboat mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to sail. So I'm kind of just winging it <laughs> at this point. But my, like I said, my goal has always been to, to help people, to uplift women. I want women to be stronger. I don't want women to go through what I went through in my life because I didn't value myself. So I learned the hard way. I went through a very grueling um, learning process where I had to understand um, that I was making the wrong choices and trying to get validated by the the wrong people and I see mm -hmm. women in that place where I was and I can see it and when I see that I want to help them I want to say you're worth so much more mm -hmm. don't let some piece of shit dictate how you feel about you you matter and that's kind of where I, I will always be I think um and man like it's been it's been a really cool experience I have to say like having this platform because like I said it's just it, I, I celebrated my year anniversary on TikTok um just a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. and it's changed my life you know completely um being visible uh being uh, one of those people i guess online that mm -hmm. is like recognizable is very strange um so i'm navigating that the best way that i can and there's no rule book there's no like oh hey like when you're a person on the internet this happens you know there's no sort of guidelines to that um but i'm kind of just taking it day by day and continuing to keep on the track that i just i want to help people i want to entertain be funny uh, stimulate critical thought and mm -hmm. you know Maybe, maybe help people that need a, a big sister or somebody that they didn't have in their life to say, hey, it's okay. Like, you know, wear that black lipstick, wear your hair like that, buy those mm -hmm. shoes. Don't listen to what they say. If it makes mm -hmm. you happy, do it. Well, I personally love that genuine expression and that genuine message. And I, I think that as thing, time goes on, I think of uh, Kevin James Thornton. I saw him do a video the other day where he talked about how he's been on TikTok now for several years and his content and his direction and his message has shifted a little bit as he's grown and it's become more like has more solidarity now than it did prior because now he's like the community is almost helping drive the direction of how the content can best be used to to meet those goals. And I imagine that that's going to be found too, as you're like, like, okay, I have this community, I have this very clear message, these things that I want to do. I am curious if you've given thought about, um, I'm trying to think of the best way of wording this. I think about these messages of femininity and empowering women, um, and when it's best to like have people receive that message, because a lot of the folks that you see probably coming across your TikTok, while you might get some older teenagers, most of it is probably individuals that have already had this value system already set in their head and it's trauma inducing because they have to then deconstruct from patriarchy to, to then re-engage with femininity and be able to find themselves again. And so it's not just like the empowering message it's also dealing with the trauma that's associated with reconstructing your world belief and your value and these things that have kind of been thrust on you in the same way that Christianity may indoctrinate you. Patriarchy also indoctrinates you. Yes. Very much so. Um, I think I, I, the way that I frame it is that growth is painful mm -hmm. and that the sort of analogy that I like to use with women is, is you know, the, the metamorphosis of a butterfly, right? Like you may be 
that little caterpillar now, but you, you have to go through that really painful process. And when you come out of it, you will be so much more and so much more beautiful. So understand like wherever you may be in that process, you are valid. And once you get there, you will look back on this and understand that that process was necessary to become that beautiful thing. And I think that a lot of women, regardless of where they are in that stage of metamorphosis, you know, they, they do get there and it, it, it's better to be a butterfly for one day of your life than spend your entire life as a caterpillar. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to thrust that upon people is that it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there, that when you get there, it's so worth it. Um, so that's kind of where I always stand, uh, especially in the comments, because a lot of people do come at me and say, oh, I used to be this person. I feel so, I'm so shamed. I'm so, I feel so guilty about what I did, what I said. And it's the same that I said to you, forgive yourself, mm -hmm. acknowledge that part of you, forgive yourself for what you had to do to survive during that time with the limited information that you had to survive mm -hmm. and appreciate your growth, appreciate your journey and understand that that growth is beautiful regardless of how long it takes. So you, you'll get there. And that's kind of the approach that I take with it just because I want, I want all the butterflies. I want all the women who love themselves and can fly away from a dangerous situation when they need to. They're not stuck. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why I sort of gun for that with my content as much as I can to build to build them up and mm -hmm. to protect them. And that's that's kind of my goal now. Yeah, I absolutely goal. love that message. I, I'm all about the it's your life and it's your journey and recognizing that life in of itself is a journey and it's ongoing and it's always constantly changing and there's always a metamorphosis that's taking place in way one way shape or form it's about forgiveness there's going to be uncertainty uncertainty there's going to be doubt you have to engage in self-reflection and you just have to maintain an open mind about what's coming next and kind of step into that next realm of your life again and again and again day after day and allow yourself to, or give yourself permission to change with forgiveness for what you may not have known yesterday and it's it's a it's a challenge i think that too often we as individuals get this idea that there's a perfect life and that there's a sense of happiness that's going to be ongoing and you're always going to be happy. And if you can just find that one perfect space in your life, then there's just going to be happiness every single day. And life is a constant balance of suffering and happiness. And it's in recognizing that and being responsive to it. Um, I think that brings that sense of peace that even in your suffering, you have peace or even in your happiness, you have peace. It's really about contentness, I think. And it's, I think too often we don't accept being content as a state of, um, achievability. With where we are yeah. specifically. Yeah. The contentness with where we are on our path. I think a lot of people look at happiness as a destination. Like that's somewhere I have to get to, to get happy. And when you realize that the path of life is a journey mm -hmm. of happiness that has its up and downs and you're not trying to get to a specific destination, you're just enjoying the path because you don't know when the path ends. Nobody does. Yeah. And so my, you know, my message is always been just please enjoy your life, live your life, be happy, stop living under the thumb of what other people think that you should do or you should be. Mm -hmm. And I want everybody to be happy. I want, I think if more people actually celebrated who they were, instead of trying to shove themselves into boxes, we wouldn't have the problems that we have. If we had children that were, you know, um, raised with with love and care and compassion and empathy we wouldn't have all of these incels and and school shooters and things like that that our society that is coming down on these people and 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 making women have children that they don't have the resources to raise is what causes 
these people to grow. Mm-hmm. Freakonomics explains that to us from the 90s. You know, we, yeah. we understand that we have the data that supports this. So if we actually treated women with compassion and allowed them autonomy over their bodies and lives, we wouldn't be having all these unwanted children that are thrust into systems mm-hmm. that abuse them and create literal serial killers. That's yeah. what that's how they form. So, you know, I, that's that's why I want to push back and just try and help this world be a better future so we have a world for our future isn't it fascinating that instead of us with all the science and the research that we have we know it creates these unhealthy toxic environments and instead of building a new way of forming society we just try to push people into the systems that we know aren't working it's just shocking to me that we're just like well it's not working but you need to abide by these rules because it's the way that it's always been so just do this fucking thing and we just constantly push 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 that i, I had a guy the other day on one of my videos tell me that capitalism was the only way and the best way and the way that things needed to be done i'm like there are like so many books out there with like 20 alternatives to capitalism in the 21st century or in 2023 that we could look at and explore and adjust policy to move into a place that lifts up all people instead of separating people between these different socioeconomic classes or between cultures or, or races and the re why we don't like explore them even the slightest my, my only guess is and, and i'm not trying to be ageist is that we have too many old people in politics and not enough young people moving into politics, even at the local level being voted in to bring in new ideas and change the scope and the parameters of what society is. Old white men who are benefiting from these systems are the ones keeping these systems in place. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And that's been the problem for, in America since its birth. You know, yeah. this country was built on genocide and slavery, and they want to hide that from history. Like, ask any indigenous person what they did. Ask mm-hmm. anyone, you know, any, any of the enslaved peoples that, that, that were ripped from their land and forced to work here that built our country on slave labor. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's our country has always been a terrible place. And I think that that's what people don't understand, that those people in power, our country is relatively new in comparison to the other countries of this world. You know, we're less than 250 years old. Yeah. Um, our, our country is a baby. We're still in our infancy. So the idea that we're the greatest nation in the world, you know, all that tells me is that you haven't been anywhere else. I've lived yeah. in other countries. I've been to other countries. Like we're not even close. Mm-mm. I told somebody that the other day on TikTok too. They got really mad at me. I was like, America is not the greatest country. Whoever told you that was lying. <laughs> whoever told you, whoever says that has all they're doing is announcing that they've never left America. Yep. All right. So we have to break down you being an atheist witch. Okay. <laughs> because you, you identify yourself on TikTok as Jordan the Grey Witch. And I admit, yeah. the first time I came across it, because I was in the pagan community for a long time, I've been around individuals that you know do witchcraft. I even ran a holistic health company for a while where a lot of our practitioners you know, were into occultism and witchcraft and that type of thing. And, and most people see that and go, how are you an atheist and a witch? What is that? Uh, well, that's a great question, and I get asked it all the time. And I think that the main aspect of the word witch, and I, I really identify... Um, with sort of the um, archetype of which more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at if you know in Jungian, uh, Jungian, I should say, mm-hmm. um, there are all the different personality types. The magician is essentially the witch. The same thing. So for me, um, it's someone who takes a hold of their own life, maybe walks a different path, and so that archetype specifically is what I identify most with. Uh, not to say when I was younger, I used to practice witchcraft all the time. When I was mm-hmm. little, I did not, you know, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to burn this and that and do this, and <laughs> that really fascinated me. But more so, the aspect of self empowerment, and I think that a lot of 
you know, women specifically, although anybody can be a witch of any gender, Mm -hmm. a lot of women specifically because we are under these patriarchal and misogynistic systems, we don't find our own power for a long time. Some women never find it. Some women never tap into it. And it's in there. That power of self-love and self-healing is in us all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, by identifying myself as a witch, the one thing that, uh, patriarchal misogynistic society deems to be the worst thing I can possibly be as a witch, right? Mm -hmm. I self-identify as a witch for that reason, to make people think, to let them understand that we're not all old and ugly and evil Mm -hmm. the way that media has portrayed us, that witches all throughout time and history have just been women and people who have walked Mm -hmm. a different path, who have healed themselves with herbs, have, have have studied spirituality, who, who have been one with nature and have lived happier, healthy lives outside of the constraints of these religious ideologies. So, you know, a, a lot of a lot of witches are, are maybe pagan, may believe in a deity or several deities, but not all of us do. And our practices um, in my practice, it's basically just spicy psychology you know, and self-healing. Um, and I like weird stuff, as you can see. So I collect uh, oddities and taxidermy. So there's all kinds of stuff here. I get loads of gifts from people I've always identified mm-hmm. as a witch. So there's lots of witch stuff around here, um, which I love. I love that. Uh, um, and I think that people do con- confuse that. They think that, well, if you're a witch, you must believe in gods and demons. And, and that's not the case at all. Uh, I believe in self-empowerment. I believe in self-healing. And I believe that we have the power to do that within all of us. With All of us have that power. So I also, uh, you know, people ask, well, what is, what's a gray witch mean to you? Well, I've got a ton of gray hair. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> I've got loads of gray hair. So that's the that's the gray. And I, I can only assume that I'm going to get grayer as I keep 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 aging. <laughs> I hope I turn all gray mm-hmm. one day. I hope I live long enough to see that. I really do. And sort of the idea that society has dubbed us as less valuable as we age. I want to fight that. I'm visibly aging. You can see that I'm aging. I have wrinkles and I have gray hair. And I want to show young women that that can still be beautiful and that that can still be powerful and that they do not lose power as they age. In fact, it's the opposite. We get stronger, which is why patriarchy tells us that we lose power as we age, which is why they try to devalue us because statistically, women hit their peak in their mid-30s for their sexual drive. Mm-hmm. Women hit their peak in their 40s and 50s when they become who they are unapologetically. And so society tells us, oh, they don't matter anymore because we're powerful. They don't want the young women to realize that their value only strengthens mm-hmm. as they age. Um, you know, and that sort of pedophilic ideal that, that women, uh, the, uh, the prepubescent women are the ideal of sexuality and femininity is mm-hmm. so convoluted. It makes me sick that that's been normalized in our society when body hair is what indicates that we're you know mm-hmm. mature <laughs> that mm-hmm. we can do the things that we need to do so i'm really trying to fight back against that by showing them that aging is beautiful and it's a it's a gift that not everybody gets and that you can be stronger with age and that you are not devalued and that you shouldn't listen to anybody who tries to i i one want to say that i really like your perspective of being a witch or witchcraft in general um i i spent a lot of time in the spiritual community in the pagan community um i helped people through the, the course of like psychic mediumship and that type of thing for a long time and really enjoyed that engagement and interaction with people and helping them heal through their own trauma uh, through the use of, of tools and but what i found in that is very much of what you're talking about is that it was really just positive psychology my yes. background is also, you know, I've been a therapist, I've been a behavior specialist. Um, that That is where my primary focus has been in most of my career. And when I have people coming in and talking to me about 
shadow work that they need to do, um, which is just looking at the subconscious, unconscious mind and, you know, problems that haven't been approached yet or manifesting, you know, a reality that just has to do with putting forward intention and positive self-talk and, you know, setting up routines and patterns and ritualistic stuff to reinforce that intention. Uh, A lot of it just came down to you. I'm going to, I'm going to inverse this. Witchcraft has always existed. Witchery has always existed in human culture. Psychology has repackaged that with the science attached to it to explain why it works in the way that it works, uh, which is really just a, a as a behaviorist, this is where I come from. It's a, it's a course of us kind of having a trial and error for thousands and thousands and thousands of years until we found out what worked and it just started teaching people to do same, the same thing. And then eventually science caught up and goes, well, this is why this has been working all this time. And that's what I found with it. Nailed it. it. Yeah. And so oftentimes I, I also identify as an atheist. Um, I don't believe there's gods. I don't believe there's deities. I don't believe that there's any sort of cognitive um, power that is overseeing everything. It's not impossible. It's just improbable in my mind. I think that the universe works through a series of physics, um, but I don't think there's any God up there that's concerned about what human beings are doing <laughs> and, and like watching what we're doing on the day in and day out. But Absolutely. I, but I do want to explore this idea that you're talking about in terms of the power that we hold within ourselves through our intention. Um, because when I hear you talk about that, I think that that spiritual community is going to interpret that as energy. Like there's energy that can be developed. So so are you a believer in like energy and just don't think the science is there to like back up what that energy is or how it works or how it is in existence? Or is it just like a, this is just something that's internal. That's like more of a biochemical process. So I would say that there is definitely the possibility that our science is not caught up to all of sort of the psychic phenomena that we Mm -hmm. experience uh, in regards to that energy, right? Um, Do I think that we may one day have science that will back up sort of the magic that people experience? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We may not be there quite yet. I'm not arrogant enough to say, well, we know everything. Of course we don't. We're we're Um, young in our infancy as human homo sapiens too. Absolutely. So there's loads of things I'm sure we don't know yet that may explain sort of the phenomenon that people experience. But I fully agree with you. There's no data that supports any deity or any higher power out there. Um, Whether or not you want to redefine God as some type of energy um, for each individual, if that helps you process the um, lack of understanding, then sure, go ahead. Um, But in reality, the, the definition of God that we know to be Uh, some guy in the clouds or whatever Mm -hmm. God you may believe in. Mm -hmm. There's no data that supports that these are at all realistic. Um, But again, if you want to repackage a God as Mm -hmm. energy and sort of go forward with that, and if that helps you with your spirituality and you feel healthy and happy in that mindset, then absolutely more power to you. Um, I would love one day for us to have science that can define the things that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't think that we're quite there yet, but um, I, I do know that, that that power that may be uh, completely instinctually based with when it comes to homo sapiens, um, that power that we have, that that mindset, that drive, that intention that we may have, that we can mm-hmm. sort of um, use, uh, a, follow our life's path uh, in a more malleable way, right, as opposed to just following a rigid guideline, mm-hmm. I think is way healthier. And uh, from my experience personally, and I think the people that are going down that path of, I don't know what this is, but mm-hmm. I'm going to follow it in a healthy way, more power to you, you know, and again, I really do hope that we do have the science that supports um, the things that we just don't understand quite yet. Yeah, I, I love your take on this. And it's probably because you're wearing like the exact same shoes I'm wearing in this topic. It's the same conversation that I have with individuals, because uh, I'm never opposed to people having a belief in a deity or a, a greater power. Uh, I have lots of folks in my community that are deists, that are pagans, that are occultists, that are even deconstructing Christians, and they believe in something. And I'm always 
kind of reinforcing the same message. If if having a god or having uh, an altar or to you know something that you think is bigger than yourself helps you reinforce healing and self love, then go for it. At the point Absolutely. that that entity that you are perceiving or projecting or or understanding is keeping you from self love and healing, then I would re-question your value system and do some introspection if this is the best thing for you. And and that's why I repeatedly say, you know, even if the Christian God existed, even if he came down at my door and knocked on it, I would hold up the Bible and go, are you this guy? Are you the guy they've yeah. been telling me about? Because if you're that guy, I'm going to punch you in the dick. Because I'm, yeah, not, I'm you, still dude. not, not going to worship you. <laughs> a million percent not. And I say that all the time. And I think that that's where a lot of these specifically Christians get held up when they mm-hmm. say, well, well you're going to burn. Let's pretend for one minute that the Christian God is real to the T in the Bible and that mm-hmm. hell is real. I still would not worship that hateful, mm-hmm. narcissistic, horrific mm-hmm. God ever. I would rather burn than worship a narcissistic God. And yeah. that's really where they get hung up because they're so indoctrinated to be to be driven by their fear mm-hmm. of that punishment um, that they can't understand someone who's like, yeah, even if it's real, I'd rather go to hell. Yeah. And they, they cannot grasp that. They just don't understand. And I think that because I say those things, it makes mm-hmm. people think. It makes people go, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm, I am re-examining this in, in the wrong way. I'm looking at the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you absolutely nailed it. I, I think that, you know, um, if, if, if a God helps somebody and they and they feel better by that, then more power mm-hmm. to you. However, I, I do look at paganism and sort of that community, especially coming off of Christianity, as sort mm-hmm. of the methadone mm-hmm. from Christianity. It's sort of like the bump down that they take because they aren't ready to sort of completely get rid of a belief system and and a higher power that may help them guide them mm-hmm. give them that security blanket that comfort uh so they go into oh well, we're gonna try paganism now and i see mm-hmm. a lot of people sort of make the step from christianity to paganism to atheism yeah and it's sort of that to me is sort of like the training wheels uh, on a bike is sort of like and not to say that not to invalidate pagans i love you guys i'm saying if specifically coming from christianity i feel that they jump to paganism and then sort of end up back at atheism yeah, I like you say back at atheism, which kind of gives the the <laughs> the idea that we all started as atheists before something was we did. put upon us, which almost brings us full circle back in many of the things that we've been talking about and thinking about the individuals that promote conservatism or the people that promote patriarchy or the individuals that are promoting Christianity. None of them started with those inscriptions on their mind. Even as much as you yep. hear Christians say that, you know, the Christian God's morality is inscribed on our heart. That's not true. These no. are things that have been taught to you by your environmental factors, and you have your own temperament that responds to those environmental factors, and then you have experiences that help shape that throughout the course of your upbringing. And most of it is solidified by about 12 years old when the brain goes through a pruning process, and you're kind of set with these really hard neuronal structures of what you believe, who you are, and then you test that against your peers and decide if you're going to keep it or not. And this is why the church wants you in their pews before the age of 12. Because if you wait until that pruning process has taken place and you've already, in your case, Jordan, developed critical thinking skills and, and um, autonomy and, you know, uh, industrialism and all these, all these other things that make you independent, it's very hard to convince you of their truth. It's very hard to convince you of their theology. Their truth. Their truth. I, no I love long, that you put yeah. it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you, you they can't they can't create those new neuronal structures as easily they have to deconstruct your first 12 years to reconstruct you into christianity and unless you are being traumatized by drug addiction or abuse or neglect 
or some other catastrophe that makes you re-question your worldview, it's very hard to pull you into Christianity after the age of 12. Right. Well, right. That's the thing. And that's why, you know, I remember asking when I was when I was younger, well, why do why why don't you let why do you make young kids go to church? I don't understand. Why are you sending a five year old? They don't know what's going on. And I remember I remember specifically one of the nuns saying you have to plant the seed. Mm -hmm. And I said, what seed? You have to plant the seed of belief or it will not grow. And to me, as an adult hearing that, that's indoctrination. Mm -hmm. You need to manipulate a child into a illogical belief or they won't believe it. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? What's the purpose? What do you gain from convincing a child that they will burn forever yeah. to traumatize in my, my opinion, to traumatize mm-hmm. and abuse a child mentally by telling them this, what do you gain from it? Oh, that's right. You gain people that are supporting the system that supports the people yeah. at the top. And the problem is, is that I think that most Christians don't have that level of manipulation and coercion of them doing it. Most of them are good parents and they're good people that are trying to do the best thing for their kids because they've been told that it's the best thing to do for their kids and they're trying to save them from an eternal punishment and they want to have the joy of spending eternity with them in this heaven that they're told about and they think that's what they're trying to do. Uh, Most of the individuals I've spoken to, even at the pastor level or youth pastor level or um, even at the nun level, fully believe that what they're doing Totally. Is, is real and true and they have to do it because they, they drink the Kool-Aid and they've been told these idioms, these adages, you have to plant the seed, you have to do this, if you don't do this, blah, 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 blah. If God was real and this was really inscribed on our hearts, then if you waited until the age of 12 to tell a child, they would come to God anyway. Correct. And I, I agree with you. They're, they're just duplicating the process that's been mm-hmm. done to them. They're just passing the indoctrination on but the ones at the top the ones that said you need to plant the seed Mm -hmm. they know better they're just trying (laughs) to control and they're setting in place systems that will allow this so i think once you see the con you can never unsee Mm -hmm. it and if you can't see the con then you're the mark yeah i i don't want to like promote my own stuff here but i'll tell everyone that if you there's a couple of things you should probably go look into one is the new show shiny happy people on amazon uh, which my good friend Chad Harris is in. He's Arch Radish on, um, on TikTok. He does an amazing job in that film. But I also did a video on Awanas and the indoctrination and the setup of that and the tools that they use to manipulate the child's brain to take this theology and attach it to the identity of the child so that it's very difficult to separate from that because at that point mm-hmm. you're essentially putting a knife in your own heart because you're trying to kill your own identity because this theology is now attached to it. And they use a variety of reinforcements and behavioral techniques that we use in psychology, but underneath a course of ethics so that we're not harming people. They use it in the church to force people into this belief system. I Um, I would love to elaborate on what you just said, because it really hit the the sort of the idea that their, that their ideology is so intertwined with their with their sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I see this all the time and I get comments that say this all the time from my, my, my followers and, and people who say, you know, I don't know who I am outside of this. They are so encapsulated in, in, in Christianity mm-hmm. in its entirety that they mm-hmm. don't know who they are outside yeah. of it. And that's a scary thing. I cannot imagine just going, everything I know is a lie. I don't even know who the fuck I am. And, you know, that's why you see people later in life coming out, like divorcing their partner. They realize that they're a lesbian. They've been a lesbian their whole life, but they've been stuck into a box and sort of this, um, uh, compulsive heteronormativity where they believe that that's just what they have to do. And then they finally later in life realize it's been a con. Mm -hmm. It's been a con 
And then they sort of get their wings, so to say. They turn into a butterfly later in life. And that's really harmful for all the people involved because then they are ripping families apart to become who they are, yeah. you know. And, and I just wish that people were afforded that choice from the time that they were young so that they know better, so that they're not harming people mm -hmm. later in life when they really want to find out who they really are. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, again, that's another reason that I do what I do. Like, be who you are. If you mm -hmm. like boys, great. You like mm -hmm. boys. If you want to do this, good, do that, as mm -hmm. long as you're not hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's that's one of the main issues that, that, that Christianity promotes is this conformity mm -hmm. to these specific gender ideals and these specific gender roles. Uh, and people are forced into these roles and it's not healthy. And the data all supports that it's not healthy. And we can mm -hmm. see what this does to people with the amount of people deconstructing, with the amount of people with religious trauma. So, you know, that's, that's another reason that I gung so hard, that gung ho so hard um, towards dismantling this ideology mm -hmm. and waking people up and letting them understand like it's okay if you don't fit in that box nobody mm -hmm. does mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I i god i could just build on this for hours and talk about it <laughs> which i know that we will have an opportunity to do soon and talking more about these things but i i very much understand what you're saying because we are taking concepts from antiquity about rules about gender norms that is very clearly changed in fact that wasn't probably even true at that time for every level of human experience and those those restrictive rules around gender and relationships and human nature um, doesn't match to what human nature actually is, how it, how it actually unfolds. And when you set those so strictly within an individual's mind, we, we ask ourselves the question, why is mental health on such a rise in today's society? Why do we see this continuously to increase among young people? Especially for me, it's a clear pattern of how much specifically in the United States, evangelical Christianity has impacted our understanding of relationships and social norms and um, gender identity over the last 150, 170 years since those ideas were first pressed upon us and the intensity of what that looked like in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And now you have millennial children that are going through major deconstructions in their adult lives and raising children who are seeing their parents fighting through this and it is causing mm -hmm. a complete disassociation between what's real and what's not real. And it's causing people to just go into a, a mental existential crisis of trying to figure out what does it really mean to be human because this rule set I've been following doesn't match what I'm seeing. Right. I don't know if I worded that well, but it's, it's just mind-boggling to me because what we're told in the Bible does not fit human nature. I think this is the first time in history that humans are being afforded the ability to question what does it mean to be human. We have the data that supports our evolution on this planet. We mm -hmm. we understand we're understanding more about the human brain than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. And this is really a first time. I mean, we're we're in a revolutionary period here where we aren't all being forced. These children, so if we look at Gen Z and Gen Alpha, they aren't being forced under the umbrella of this patriarchal ideology, and they are actually afforded the ability to explore who they are. You know what we're seeing? To authenticity. See. We're seeing authenticity Authentic out of our children. Oh, it's beautiful. It's <laughs> yeah. so wonderful. I can't wait for Gen Alpha to grow up. Mm -hmm. They are going to. They are going to dismantle this system mm -hmm. and birth a phoenix from its ashes, or so oh. I hope. And that's that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I want to help. I want to help fucking spread those wings. I want yeah. them to learn and grow and be powerful and be in who they are, regardless of who mm -hmm. that may be.
And I think that this, the crumbling of the system of this, 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 this pillar of Christianity mm-hmm. that we have been forced mm-hmm. to be under for so long is really starting to crack and crumble at its base. Yeah. And the, like <clears> you said, this individuality, these, this authenticity is, is flourishing and blooming from that. Mm-hmm. So as one system falls, another one is being birthed from those ashes. And I just could not be happier. I, I can't wait to see what the future generations hold with being allowed to mm-hmm. explore who they are, who they really are. Yeah, it's been interesting in my own like identity development over the past several years, because I recognize that as a millennial, I, took, I was in sociology and I was told that millennials were the next great generation. We were supposed to set the next norm for future generations to help society evolve and grow in some way. And because of the way that our society specifically is set up in the United States, that didn't really come to fruition because we have had gen, not even Gen X, but baby boomers and um, our uh silent generation be in positions of power at every institutional level to maintain a set of rules that has prevented millennials from really moving in and changing those norms. And so it's become more of a recognition to me that we can't specifically change the norms and we can't break down the system, but I can lay the road for the generations after me to walk right up there with the hammers and knock it down. And so I I see a lot of what I do in terms of this initiative, the things I do on TikTok, talking about deconstruction, helping people heal, is I'm laying the road. I'm laying the path for my Gen Zers, my Gen Xers, my Gen Alphas, uh, sorry, not Gen Xers, uh, Gen Zers, Gen Alphas, Gen Betas to walk up and knock down that system because I wasn't given the opportunity to do it prior. I fully agree. I look at I look at millennials. I'm a millennial myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at millennials as the stepping stone. We were yeah. supposed to be on the other side of the river, but we are now the stepping stone because I will help them cross. Mm-hmm. I will help them get there. Um, they can stand on my back. I'll give you a leg up. Yep. I will be here and help you and tell you where not to where not to jump in the river. We, we're there because mm-hmm. we experienced it. So we are helping them flourish and reach their potential. And I, that's my job now. Yeah. Yep, that's my life purpose. It's my life purpose too, Jordan. All right, we have hit an hour mark. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. Let people know where they can find you. How do they connect with you? Awesome. So yes, you can find me on TikTok at Jordan the Gray Witch. And I do have an Instagram as well, but no other socials. Uh, And you can check out my website, which is against patriarchy.com. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And thanks everybody else for joining us in this conversation. I hope that you have enjoyed the conversation. Um, For now, just get out of here. Go out there. Live your best life. As always, try to be the best version of yourself. Do something that your future self is going to thank you for uh, because you took that effort today. And as always, do what the fuck you will. (laughs) 